Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode of When I Grow Up. On today's episode,、um, I feel honored and privileged to have、uh, my friend, Annie Lee Parker, with us. Hey, Annie, how are you? Hey, Claire, I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for giving me your time today、um, to、uh, tell me more about what you do. And before you do, I just want to give a quick、uh, intro.、Um, if you are familiar with the design world, I feel like these days, Annie Lee Parker is probably a household name. And she's probably like cringing <laughs> just me saying that. But, but, you know, the little I know about that world, I know that in the last four or five years, you've truly developed a company where it's like, yeah, it's an extremely well known、um, name and、uh, well known pieces, like furniture pieces. And oh, yes, I should mention, Annie is here because she is a furniture designer、um, in New York City. And,、uh, I'm excited to tell you guys more about this career because I feel like it's definitely a career that、um, not a lot of people think about. But I, I would even go as far as to say, not a lot of Asian Americans think about the world of fashion, or not fashion, excuse me, furniture design.、Um, uh, but before we get into that, I just, I, I'm sorry, Annie, I just want to tell people more about you. But、um, on a personal note, I think I've known Annie. Actually, I, I've known, so my husband David、um, is, yeah, I mean, practically Annie and David are cousins, I would even yeah, say. Like, I taught him, or like my first, like, quote unquote, real job, not real job, really, but David's mom, David's mom, basically asked me to come over and babysit William and David when they were like so young. I was like 13 years old. Uh huh. 13. And just like teaching David, because David is,、um, I keep going back and forth from David and David, but he was really good at drawing. And I would come over and like teach him, I guess, how to make drawings <gasps> in circles. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. Oh、yeah. my goodness. So you've always been like artistic then, and, and on the, you've always like been good at drawing and things like that? I was, yeah, because I wasn't good at, School work, like actually studying. So, my mom always encouraged me to like go towards something that I enjoyed, which was, you know, when I was little, it was like drawing and painting and being artsy, I guess.、Um, so, yeah. That's amazing. So, okay, yeah. I mean, to go back to that story, if you didn't know, David was born and raised in Brazil, and Annie was also born and raised in、uh, Brazil. So, they're both Korean Brazilian. And so that's what she's referring to when they were younger in Brazil. She would go over and babysit, I guess. But I did not know that story. That's so funny. I mean, like, it's not quite babysitting because they were like older. But、yeah. <laughs> I think Davi's mom was trying to be nice and like make, like, Create something for me to do, you know? Sure, yeah, yes. Yeah. That's awesome. We also had a pool, which was really fun.、Um, yeah, I have like snippets. Of yeah, and then, and then later, when did you move to the States again? When I was 13. I think like shortly after that, I moved okay. to. Yeah, and then later, David actually went to LA for like a year to live there when he was in middle he, school. Yeah. And he lived with you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Only eat beef. Or no, not beef. Yeah, prugogi or like samgyapsar or something like that. There was a specific thing that he would only eat. David did? Yeah. I believe it. <laughs> I, I don't even 
remember if it's between like pork or beef one of the two that's so funny yeah I mean yeah and I remember um I mean I've never told you this any but like you know I've been together with David exactly 10 years like this year and I think that's around the time I met you in Savannah yeah it makes sense yeah Yeah. and I know it's so crazy but um I just want to say like the first time I met you, you were the most like hospitable and the sweetest person. I was kind of like nervous because, you know, you're like one of David's older sister type, you know, friends. And he was meeting, I was meeting, um, I was David, I'm David's first girlfriend and only, but, (laughs) but like, you know, and I was meeting you for the first time and I was really nervous, but you were so sweet. And then I remember like, Um, Even at my wedding, like, you just were so, like, kind to think about me and, like, what you kept asking me, is there anything I need? And I just, it was just really a memorable time between you and I for me. And I just, um, all that to say, I'm excited that you're here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really glad. And I'm really happy that you got to come to Savannah, too. And that's, like, where we met. And you have like because ah. like I was in college and probably like an idiot, but no, that you have good positive memories. Yeah, no, it was great. It was so fun. But um, enough of my tangent here. Let's get into what we're really here about. Um, so any is a like I mentioned earlier, a furniture designer, and yeah, what does that even mean, any? What what does a furniture designer do? Um, so it would make sense more if I explain like how I got into it. I studied interior design and I worked in residential interior design and really enjoyed more of like the furniture, like picking out furniture or just like thinking about it and like redesigning it in my head. Um, so that's really how I got into, you don't hear a lot of people say like furniture design. Um, but I think the furniture, the type of furniture that I'm, the world that I live in, it's not necessarily designing for um, like bigger, bigger brands like Westown, Ikea and all of that. It's more artistic furniture. So there's a pretty good community of people who love to be creative and it really blurred the lines between art and design. So art and furniture. Um, so that's kind of like the world that I live in mm-hmm. and it's very explorational and it's very small in terms of like the community and we get to like mess around a lot with different materials um, it's really fun I really enjoy it <laughs> um, so how did you get into like that type of like particular unique area of furniture design like so not like you know the big brand names like like you mentioned West Elmer Ikea but how did you get into this like niche group of designers um well so like my training when I was doing my master's in furniture design really what like they trained us to learn how to design and build furniture and a lot of times some of the classes were um basically designing for those brands like design within reach West Elm like they would have Emico, like they have like big brands and you would learn how that whole process goes. Um, but I also really enjoyed looking through like design platforms, like magazines, um, Architectural Digest, The Zine, Wallpaper Magazine. There were like all these different, you know, design platforms that, or blogs that I would look through. And, oft- and one of them was Sight and Scene and Sight and Scene 
um, showcases a lot of like young, fresh designers, independent, small studios. And a lot of them like are in New York. Um, and I just kind of like got more involved in applying for opportunities. And I luckily got into some of those opportunities and started coming to New York through the school every year for design month. That's like in May design week. And just like met a lot of creatives like when I was in college and eventually like long story short kind of became a business while I was in school because mm -hmm. I would post about my work online on Instagram and people started thinking that I was actually like a business and they would inquire about it and I would just kind of fake it pretend that I was a business and yeah so that kind of evolved into you know actually like more demand and me having to think like how I need to you know um supply that those products to them and it's just kind of I don't have a business model and nothing is like really clear I, it's pretty new it's like it's been three years and I'm learning as I go but it just kind of naturally organically became a business wait wait so you're, you're saying that you didn't even graduate from grad school yet by the way you went to SCAD correct no 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 I graduated um I graduated oh I was in grad school for so long because I was working like a couple of retail jobs at the same time you know my partner and I were paying kind of out of pocket but I also had like a a half scholarship um because he worked for the school but it, it took me like four years for me to get my master's but while I was doing my master's I would post about my projects that I was doing in school that's incredible. And then people like it piqued people's interest because of the things you're posting. And they um, were like, how much is it? Kind of a little more. Um, I got more lucky. I got luckier than that. Um, I would often curate my, you know, because I'm a very visual person, love to curate my pieces. And I was just like post them. And then eventually got into this artist residency. And you know, created a collection for that artist residency. It involves ceramics and the right person saw it and invited me to participate in a gallery show or like a trade show called Set and Scene Offsite. And it was in New York. And I was a, and the people who started Set and Scene, they didn't know that I was in school. Um, I didn't tell them either. <laughs> and usually you have to pay to, you know, participate in those things. And I just didn't have the money and I was still in school. So they found me. Um, I got really lucky. They found me a sponsor. At the time, it was the brand Levi's. And they paid for my space. They sponsored. Um, it was like a whole thing. And from that trade show, it didn't click with me that people were gonna come look at the pieces and ask how much it was and I would have to like provide that answer so that's kind of really like how I started but it was like through like people finding my Instagram and that page looking like it was a business you know and it kind of opened a couple of doors and they were the right doors because right soon after that um the trade show I got a lot of press um and one of them was with New York Times style magazine and that was like we're really like it's almost like if you get like an article with the new york style style magazine t magazine um it's kind of like it legitimizes you 
even though I was like, I'm not real and my business is not real. Um, on the outside world, like when people are looking in, they think that you're a business. Sure. Yeah. Wow. That is incredible. I had no idea. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I like no one tells me anything, but like, I just, I mean, obviously I follow you on Instagram and social media and, you know, I just felt like you were just booming overnight, you know, and like getting all this press and stuff. And I, I remember looking to David and being like, did you see this? Like, did you see how incredible this piece of furniture is, you know, to him? And, you know, for us, it's like, you're just any, but then all of a sudden it's like, um, you're not just creative and talented any you're like majorly like a renowned designer any you know and I'm like did you see she was in Vogue magazine (laughs) but I mean I that story is like yeah I mean you mentioned a couple times that you got lucky and there were some open doors but there's no doubt in my mind that it was more than luck and it truly was your talent any it's really awesome um could you take me through like a typical day for you like what is a day in the life of a you know a business owner that creates these pieces look like um it's a little more boring than you think (laughs) um I I sleep a lot like I was telling you earlier I go to bed like around 9 30 and it's not because I wake up early either I like literally wake up at like 7 30 but lounge around bed until 8 And I get to the studio at like maybe 9.30. And then just like usually on my computer, I have two um, kind of like a studio manager and a production guy. My partner is also like Carson, my husband has been coming, working with me. So it's like four of us. Um, And I, running a business is a lot of administrative work, which I just recently hired somebody to help me with it, but I'm still like spending a lot of time on my computer. Mm. So I usually like try to clean up, like tidy up the studio before I get to work. Like before I start my day, it just helps me get like a little more settled. Um, but my production assistant, he's really the one who's like hands-on building everything. And I'm just making invoices, emailing people, working on some new designs. There's been a lot of collaboration like projects lately. So I've been like focusing on those. I I feel like I'm like the mom in the studio. So I'm out constantly cleaning after people. <laughs> like I'm like sleeping a lot, doing the dishes, like honestly, like making coffee for people. <laughs> um, so yeah, and then I end the day and come back home, make dinner watch some TV and go to bed. Honestly, that's nothing luxurious. (laughs) I mean, it sounds like a lot of work, honestly, to be able to do what you do. I mean, you make it, I think you like, don't give yourself enough credit, honestly, but I'm, I'm curious. I mean, we, we do work weekends too. (laughs) Oh, geez. Really? Yeah. I mean, we, we also travel a lot. So like we try to go to places a lot. So like to, running a business like you're constantly working it's not yeah. really, you know but yeah we work on the weekends too at least like I Carson and I my my assistants don't know I see yeah. um so definitely owning a business is 24 7 literally but um you know uh oh can we tell people kind of the medium that you use for your 
furniture pieces? Yeah, so I got into clay. So like I, for some reason, thought thought that like ceramics would be a great medium for furniture at the time. And I didn't know anything about clay. So I just like really taught myself like watching a lot of YouTube videos and like asking a lot of questions to people who knew about clay. Um, and I also work with a lot of local vendors around me, which I think is really important for my business. And like the, like on my ethos and goals of the business, I try to work with like good people. So we work with a woman owned lighting vendor. They wire all our lamps. And then I work with two um, small family owned upholstery companies. We also work with like, I mean, glass vendors that like, and ceramic comes from New Jersey. So it's like all like very like, we stay like nearby. Um, so the, we like, I design with different materials, but like in the studio, we work with ceramics. Mm. Um, so how did you choose this medium? Um, I went to Korea and I remember my aunt kind of like, she's an embroidery artist, like traditional artist. And she took me, she like lives in a really old town and took me to this like little fair and there were people selling like old ceramics and I just like got this like teapot and it was so like beautiful and I really like loved like the texture the material and got to like mess with like around ceramics like when I came back and was like whoa this is so fun and therapeutic and just like something that I've never done before. Wow that's awesome so you got inspired from your trip to Korea? Mm-hmm. that's really cool how yeah. do you get your other like how, where does your other inspiration come from to make the pieces that you make like the lamps I know that you're really well known for your lamps and and things like that um where does where do you get these ideas they just like come to you or do you draw from something else um usually like we I like to like travel quite a bit like um go to a lot of like galleries and museums um I love looking at historical methods of like fabrication so like just like learning about how people used to make certain things or that's always really nice um and then I also like will look at like an old book and see something and then create a a concept from that so it differs like I remember making concepts out of like the movement suprematism or like recently like I did a a whole collection based on um watercolor drawings of like how do I explain it like um body parts like the cells in our organisms like cells c-e-l-l's or (laughs) (laughs) c-e-l-l-s um so it's like very specific things to like very vague things and like you know it's different wow that's uh man I'm just going to be honest, like, I think the way your brain works is so, like, abstract and different than me that I'm, like, so, like, fascinated with yeah, all of it. about music, people. I'm just, like, what? Yeah. You're, like, <laughs> you're not, you know, because, like, my friend says that he can see sounds. And what? Like, what? <laughs> I don't That's get insane. It. That's yeah. so crazy. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so... um. If we back up a little bit in your story, um, you had mentioned before that you started as an interior design 
designer and that's what you studied in college but um even before that you know like you said you know when you were 13 you're already drawing and exploring your creative side and your mom kind of pushed you in that direction but um I'm wondering like at what point like were you like hey I'm gonna pursue like this um in college and so on and so on um I I mean I got really I got lucky that my mom was smart about how she raised me so she didn't like really force things that I was not good at and when I was little like I was not good at studying like I couldn't pay attention I wasn't like smart or anything and she just saw that I was like more inclined towards like being a little more creative and always kind of you know pushed me like hey like why don't you try learning how to draw and doing this and in high school I kind of got like really into art and was in like this I was in public school in, you know, in California, but they had this program where all the, the subjects that you study would involve art in some way. And I started like kind of getting a little more like into making a portfolio to apply for schools. Cause like my mom and I, like we didn't grow up with money at all. Like I grew up with a single mom and she worked multiple jobs a lot and we didn't have any savings. Like we didn't, I mean, I wasn't properly documented um, for a long time. So I really relied on being able to like have a portfolio and apply for scholarships for college if I wanted to go to college. Um, So like it kind of started in in that area where my mom put me through a portfolio school after like, you know, like when you like Hagwan, I don't know. like if you go, like I would go to high school, regular hours, but I had zero period. And then after high school, I would go to like this portfolio school at one o'clock. And then my mom would pick me up at like seven or eight. So like I had like eight hours every day from like sophomore, junior and senior year of high school. And That's crazy. Yeah, but it was like so much fun. Like it was just like kind of, you know, it was a bunch of like art kids, like painting and drawing and talking all day. And I loved that um, she, she saw like something that I was good at and she encouraged it. Um, and I was at first like an illustration kind of oriented, like I was painting a lot of things and I was painting a lot of like interior spaces for my drawings or whatever. And my portfolio teacher saw that and he was like, why don't you try interior design? Like, you know, there's more money in that. <laughs> So I was like, sure. I'm like pretty easygoing. Like I'm not like very like, this is exactly what I want to do. Like I don't have that. Mm. I just like want to be happy and have good friends. So, and um, I look more in, in terms of like, as like a, a an individual, how I can grow rather than like constantly just thinking like, oh, how do I grow my career? Mm. So I was like, sure. And did interior design. Um, applied for schools, got scholarship, did that, worked in in residential design, um, didn't love it. (laughs) So I had to pivot a little bit. um, Why didn't you love it? What, like you thought you would love it or you just, were you, you were just going with the flow or? It was going with the flow, but I think it was because it was a little slow for me. Mm. Um, 
I loved my boss. My boss was incredible. I learned so much from her, but I just like, it was just kind of tedious. Mm. Like, and it was a lot more like about, I also didn't like like having to work with like married couples, like a wife and a husband and them fighting about what kind of curtains they want. And oh, like, interesting. Things like that. It's just like, you know, wasn't necessarily for me. Um, and there's so many components in interior design. You really have to be thinking about like, oh, so much details. Mm. So you have to administratively be really good at like being organized in some ways. Um, and I didn't, wasn't that person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so at what point um, in your career of interior design were you like, I need a change, I need to shift things around here? It wasn't like that. I just like wasn't, it was, and it was also really hard, you know, year for me. Like I was, in, I was living in Atlanta actually, and I was living in Midtown. My husband was working for our school, so we were living in the school in the dorms oh which by the way I had great memories there too when we would come visit you oh yeah <laughs> that, those years were like probably the hardest oh, for me man. in um my, like married life mm. just because we had just gotten married I had just graduated school like we were so young we were like 23 like we yeah. didn't know what was going on out of a sudden you're like out of college you're an adult and you're married that's like you know hectic yeah um so it was really tough I just like wasn't happy and I think that really added to like me not liking my like what I was doing I didn't feel like I had ownership to it um and it just like kind of naturally was like well like I really enjoy picking furniture I, I enjoy looking at furniture and like analyzing it and you know really like judging like what makes a piece of furniture good mm. So that kind of like made me like think like maybe I can get my master's and like I first tried to get my master's in interior design but I was like I'm just like learning the same thing. So like you know so I specified it into furniture and fell in love with it. It was like perfect for me. That's amazing. So okay so I'm curious like when you're mastering in furniture what types of classes are you taking? Like you mentioned like, a, you know, you liked seeing a good piece of furniture, you know, like a, you, I don't know what uh, that, what is the definition of a good piece of furniture? Oh, I mean, I can't answer that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everybody. Um, but you, you asked like what a class of furniture. Oh, I meant like what kind of classes do you take? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so like some of my first like classes were like, shop you have to like pass shop in order to use the shop because we're dealing with like really large like you know table saws and like bandsaw and routers and just like really a lot of dangerous like equipment that you can like literally cut your fingers off or your hair and you know there's horrible stories oh gosh we would make like a shaker's table through the shop and then I took like introduction to metals and like learning how to weld how to oh, milk, wow. how to like forge and all of that uh, you take like a plastics class you take you know history of furniture you take um complementary design or something which was like very um I I was in grad study so like a lot of the classes were very like 
slightly philosophical, but like about design. So like some of the stuff is like talking about like how there's a book called Cheap and it talks about the psychology of like how we buy things and forget about them and like what makes a piece of furniture valuable or not. Mm. Another book is like called Emotional Design. So it, it talks about like how we feel towards certain products or how they make us feel. Is there importance to that? Um, yeah, there's like a lot of things. That's <laughs> I, know, I mean, all of it is but it's like really fun. No, yeah, no, all of it sounds really fun because again, I say these in the same comment and like across all of my podcasts, like just things I just never think about, you know, because I, my eyes are not open to it. But now that you're talking about it, I just feel like I'm going to look at furniture differently. <laughs> yeah. But, um, good. people don't think about it, but furniture is like you're living in an environment and especially through COVID, like, I feel like, um, you're home like a lot and I'm a very like my mood and my um efficiency runs based on like my environment Mm. things have to be clean things have to be like organized the lighting has to be warm it's just there's all this stuff that like it helps me like feel a little more comfortable Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or get in the zone and I don't know I think there's something really nice about being intentional with the surroundings you know um I mean that's that's me (laughs) no I think that what you're saying resonates well with everybody because I think people don't realize it you know I think you're just very self-aware to it and tuned to it because I mean it is your job too but I think when you go like you know when you go into a nice coffee shop and you're like okay like, this is the atmosphere I like. I can yeah. study here or I can hang out here with my friends as opposed to going to somewhere that's not as pretty or not as well lit. Or um, so Definitely, I think a lot of people feel that way, but it's just you're unaware, you know, of, of what it is that you're, you're feeling at that moment. But, um, Annie, do you have, like, a piece of – I don't know whether it, maybe you're in um, grad school or even currently, like – that you've made a piece of furniture and you were like, this is it. Like, or like kind of, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, I get what you're trying to say. Um, the first piece of furniture that I've ever designed and built uh-huh. um, was a chair, uh-huh. which is very stereotypical. Like furniture designers always start with utensils and chairs. It's like our favorite things to design. Um, but the chair that I designed was for a wood bending class. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> which there are a lot of methods to bend wood. I think now you're going to look at your pieces of furniture and be like, oh, I wonder if that is a bent wood piece rather than, I mean, there's like, I can like give you a whole lecture about it, but that's kind of boring. Um, anyway, so the chair that I had designed, I thought that because wood comes or paper comes from wood, that wood could be bent like paper uh-huh. in my head. I was like, uh-huh. oh, like, you know. So a lot of my models were out of paper. And I eventually like designed this chair that has a compound curve <gasps> wood. And if you understand a little bit about wood, is that wood has like a one directional grain. And that means that it's easier to bend um, a one way instead of two ways. 
because it has like one directional grain. I don't know if this is like making No, sense. this is so fascinating to me, Annie. I love it. Keep going. I love it. So because I had designed a chair that bend in two different directions, that's called a compound curve. It's so much more complicated, like nearly like, it's not impossible, obviously, with the technology we have, but with how I was going about it, I was so naive in how to make that piece. I thought that, oh, like, no big deal. Like, you know, I could just do this. And my professor, he was so sweet because he never said, oh, that's too hard or, oh, that's impossible. He was just encouraging, like, okay, try, you know, maybe try this and try that. And I feel like that mentality, like without giving any limitations was so like healthy for me because I worked my ass off on that project. I think that I gave like 110, like 200% of myself into a project that I've never felt that way before. I've never felt like I've done, I've put so much effort into a project where I could look back and be like, oh, like I could have done more or I could have like, I like in that project, I didn't feel that at all. I like look back and be like, wow, like I really gave my all and I couldn't have done any more than I had. crazy. But but you did it is what you're trying to tell me. Yeah, I did it. Um, I still have it. And it's just like one of those like feelings. It's not necessarily about like the way it looks, but it's the way that like I fell in love with furniture with the process of feeling like I gave my all and I couldn't have done more to it. Yeah, that's like extremely powerful, I feel like. Yeah, like you don't have that often. Like you can always look back and be like, I could have done this part better. You know what I mean? But for this one particular project, and I don't think I can think of anything else other than that project that I felt that way again. (laughs) Hopefully like I will um, again, eventually in the future. But that's really hard to do. I mean, yeah, I feel like you conceptualize something and then you were like, I'm going to make it happen. But then, so so you, what you're trying to explain to me too is that you didn't realize how difficult it was at the start of it. Oh, yeah. If I, with the knowledge that I have now about wood bending, if I like thought of a compound curve or that specific design, I would tell myself, that's too hard. Um, I see. I, you know, like I think sometimes the more you know about certain things, you automatically starts putting guide rails yeah. um, onto, you know, yourself. And then it limits a little bit your process of designing. Yeah. I mean, ignorance is bliss for real, I feel like. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm I'm curious, just talking about this chair. Um, so like it's part of uh, the difficulty in the way the wood grain goes in one direction like if you try to bend it the other way does it like splinter or like what happens yeah you have um it like could crack right so like um this chair in particular I steamed it a lot you steamed it so with wood bending one of the big like you know ways of like bending wood is um either using a lot of veneers okay and a veneer. <laughs> a veneer is a really thinly cut wood. Okay, okay. So a lot of your pieces of furniture, 
might have a veneer, might not be completely solid wood, right? It might be like an MDF layer and then the veneer glued on top. Okay, so okay. Like a solid wood. I see, I see. Um, that's the kind of stuff you're going to find like at Ikea all the time. There's no such thing as solid wood at Ikea. Or Is that why sometimes it like bends in the middle? Like No, wood can do that. Like it, that has to do more with um, the density of the wood if there's moisture, if it's been properly dried oh. off. Um, but yeah, it's, it's different. It depends. Okay. But with the, the project that I did, um, usually like if you want to bend just like one curve, like if I wanted to make like a little belly, like a little round, you know, it's just bending one direction. Right. So if I just put a lot of like a layer of veneer, a wood veneer, and then I put glue, another veneer, another glue, and just keep going. And then you put it against like a mold, you know, you press it against the mold and you put it inside a gigantic plastic vacuum. And what the vacuum does is suck all the air out and all that wood compresses towards the mold and it glues over 24 hours and it stays in that shape. So that's like one process, but because my piece has a compound curve, I had to steam the crap out of that, those like veneers. I like, and I use Italian bending plywood, which is like, you know, engineered to like kind of bend easier. Um, but I steamed a lot of like a lot before prior to putting onto the vacuum. That's crazy. I have to go check out this chair now. Yeah, it's like really complicated. Like I feel like the more I can talk about it, it's not gonna make sense. But no, it makes it makes sense to me. I get what you're saying. Yeah, and also like I had to make the the positive mold where the wood goes against, but because there's two parts of the chair and they're mirrored to each other, uh-huh. I had to make two molds that were completely identical but mirrored, and I had to carve that by hand. So that was like another trick that was kind of hard to do, but. Oh my goodness. So like, I mean, do you put all like, I I hesitate to ask this question, but like, I mean, that's a lot of work into one chair, right? So like your pieces, they're very large ceramic pieces. Am am I wrong in saying that? Or they're pretty large, right? Yeah. We have different sizes, but. Okay. Okay. But, but I mean, like. Um, you know, how do you like mass produce furniture? Like, how do you? That that's not my business model, though. It's, okay, it depends on the business model. Like, and I, I'll just go ahead and say, like, I am not my market. I'm not out there trying to buy a three thousand to four thousand dollar lamp. Um, <laughs> that's not where I am financially. Um. But that's how much our my lamps cost. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, so like, how much? So like, what is the turnaround then? Like, someone is it like you order and then you build it, or? Yeah, it's a made to order business. Oh wow! So we're a small studio. Like all the things that we make, it's very low risk too because we're not paying vendors to like build a hundred lamps and then having to pay up front. Yeah. It's not the business model. It's yeah. more like art-based furniture. So like, you know, a client is interested, they contact, we work through it, create an invoice. It's made to order. It takes about three to four or two, two is eight. Yeah. Two to three months to make a piece of furniture. Okay. 
Um, and they're usually like at a higher price point than like your normal, you know. Yeah. Yes. It is at a higher price point, <laughs> but I mean, I think a well-deserved higher price point for the amount of work that goes into it. I'm sure. Um, any furniture that like costs like over two hundred thousand dollars—that's like art studio furniture. That's like a whole nother world. But yeah, I, I can't even wrap my head around that. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I'm like, uh, I would rather buy a house. Oh but... no, girl, you'll we're getting you're gonna any Lee Parker Incorporated yeah. coming. <laughs> that um yeah we're good where we are now (laughs) yeah no it's awesome um any what do you like love about what you do right now currently um I love that I get to prove what immigrants can do wow okay I just absolutely I don't like take it's really hard for anybody to take pride in their designs that's not me either. Like I get tired of things very quickly. Mm. Um, but the one thing that I will forever have so much like pride in is the fact that, I mean, I was under the dream act when I came, when I was little, I was like, mm. under, you know, I was underage and didn't have proper documentation, grew up with a single mom. She put me through college. I mean, with a lot of support of our friends as well, like my mom's friends, Davi's mom, huge support. And I just like love that I get to prove that all of that worked, good community, supportive community worked. And I didn't steal anybody's job. Mm. <laughs> I like made myself a job, made a couple of other, other jobs for my team. And I get to like put in 20 to $30,000 every month towards other businesses that I love a female owns like you know business like family oriented businesses like i love that that i get to participate in the economy the local economy and that's like my why i love small businesses you know um because we support each other and i feel like that's to me like the biggest dream that i could have that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I have I got the chills as you were talking about that because, um, man, like the platform that you've created, you know, for yourself and the way that you're using everything, you know, everything that was invested into you to be where you are today, I think is ex- it like speaks volumes, any, and I'm like so like in awe of it all, you know, I think it's so great. And, and it's not to boast of, again, not to boast about you or your work or whatever, but I just feel like, you know, the work that you put in, uh, you don't just sit with it, you know, you actually do something about it and do more with it. And I think that in itself is just really inspirational. That's great. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Um, now for the the uh, real question, what don't you like about your job? Is there something that is challenging or something you just could do without? I mean, you mentioned before, like kind of the administrative stuff you don't really like, but you got to do it to to live and stuff. But what is there anything else? Um. I don't love, I mean, this is so bad to say, <laughs> but um, I don't love press. Sometimes I feel like, like having to like do, if it's like emails, like if I'm 
we have press inquiries and like they have like questions for us to like fill out for like press it's just like sometimes I start feeling a little phony you mm. know so that's maybe like not my favorite um unless it's like an interview like a phone interview or something that like it's a conversation I feel like it's a little better sure yeah but, um yeah like administrative stuff like I'm I love like getting to email clients and talking about the work and stuff but it kind of like takes a lot of time sure yeah and keep up um yeah that's it <laughs> Well, thanks for your honesty and your transparency in that question. Um, uh, Well, you know, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Was there anything else you wanted to share with people that maybe I didn't mention yet or bring up? Um, I think we talked a little bit about luck, right? Um, I sincerely do think that I got lucky, but there is such thing as like, I think that the more doors you knock, the mm-hmm. more chances of you getting lucky, you know? Does that make sense? I feel yeah. like you don't just sit around and get lucky. Like right. you should be able to like do the work, like in terms of like meeting people and asking questions and like not being embarrassed to like try things and fail or like to post about your projects. And I have so many friends that started their businesses on giving themselves like a daily task. So I have like a friend who um, made a mug, a ceramic mug every day, like a different mug and posted about it and like created a huge business um, on it. And I have another friend who would do the same thing, but in the illustration, she would do a lot of illustrations every day. And Alex Proba is now like a, you know, pretty big, like she does like, like from murals for Google to like Nike. And like, she does like rugs and products and so many collaborations so like people who aren't afraid of like just trying things out you know I have this thing where I always say like you know the toilet paper you get it wet and throw it on the on the ceiling and it sticks so like just doing that and see if it sticks just like throw it against the ceiling and see what happens and I feel like we're in an age that we can do that we can knock a lot of doors we can meet new people we can be bold um because I think that it's it's accessible for us to do that so do it you know and then like the more you do it again the more chances that you might get lucky (laughs) yeah I mean like I love what you said I think for me like just hearing this advice and applying it to my own life there is this like fear of failure for myself and what like you know but I, but you were saying, you know, you, ha- how do you know you're going to fail if you don't try? And-, and I think that comes with age. Mm-hmm. You remember how I was telling you, like, the more I know about a material, the more I would know about wood bending, the more guidelines I put in myself. I think the, the older we get, we know a little too much about the world and how we think the world works. Mm-hmm. So we start putting these like fears on us, right? Like of not wanting to try them out because we're scared of the failure but like I feel like when you're young you don't know enough you're kind of naive so like you're so much bolder and you're like trying you know you're like you remember when you first went to college or like when you first like went someplace it was so easy for you to like try to you know try to make friends and like talk and like be out there so I think that the whole thing the fear of failing is it really does sometimes come from age and Mm -hmm. I I really hope that like 
you know, I, I, I do that a lot too, <laughs> but it's important for us to like keep ourselves like out there, I think. Yeah. And I think just kind of remember that what's the worst thing that could happen, you know, like people say no or you know what I mean? Like, or it just yeah. doesn't work out. Like, yeah. Yeah. Especially in my field, I constantly saying like, unless something is like tipping over a child, which is terrible to say, but it's not like life and death. Like I'm not a doctor. I'm not out there saving lives. <laughs> like, no, yeah, you're death. right. You're right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, I mean, you know, it's funny that you say that when I, I used to, when I was working um, in production too, I remember I was doing a, a live production and something went wrong, like on the, on the televised live production. And I was like, oh my, and you know, just my personality is just like a perfectionist kind of and I was like oh my gosh like acting like the world was gonna end and then this more experienced guy my engineer that was helping me was like Blair like look we're not saving lives here (laughs) like it's just tv but yeah that's so true it's like it's it's like you know you're not a doctor (laughs) I say a lot to myself yeah that's that's a great reminder even for myself not life and death yes that's awesome um well before we end our time together any thank you for that awesome advice I feel like that's something that's going to sit with people um and in their hearts but do you have any advice for somebody that maybe is interested um in uh majoring in college in in the arts or interior design or even furniture do you have any advice for them um I would say either learn how to document your work really well or become friends with people in photography or something if you're in product, um, in the product world. Just because like I think sharing your work online, number one is free. Number two is the audience is endless. You know, it's the internet. And number three, when you apply for jobs or when you're trying to start things out, I like... I kid you not, we, we look through those. <laughs> we look through your social media. We look through like, you know, just like seeing how you kind of like represent yourself if you're in social media. I feel like that's like an important tool. Like I know the social media can be really negative and bad, but if you look, use it for your benefit, it can really start something incredible. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's pretty much how you got started too. So yeah, That's how a lot of people yeah. get started. I mean, what a incredible day and age that we live in that that's even possible, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, Annie, thank you so much again. I really appreciate your time today. Um, I learned so much about the world of furniture and even just wood bending and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, well, um, would you mind if somebody was like maybe interested in asking some questions, could I maybe um, get in touch with you and direct them your way? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, guys, if you slow on on emails, but I will do my best to get back to people as quick as I can. No worries. Um, I'm like a turtle when it comes to administrative work. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, 
if any worst case, you know, if you enjoyed this episode or you are interested in learning more about what any does or just even this world, I'm sure you could just Google it, honestly, and a ton of resources would come up. But if you're interested in some sort of like, you know, connection or just real life happenings, um, feel free to DM us, you know, DM me and I'll get you in touch with any the best way that I can. Um, or you can email me because I'm not flooded with emails. So just feel, <laughs> feel free to email me at podcastwigu at gmail.com. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. Until next time, bye. Bye.